0: The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at LifeHouseChurch.org. Christmas lost its luster for you. Nearly every shiny thing at some point loses its glow. And, uh, you know, what do you do in order to restore the glow to the shiny things that have lost it? And maybe Christmas for you is that glowing thing that has lost some of its luster. I know our Christmas bulbs, uh, you know, like if you buy the, like the glass ones, eventually they start to fade and they lose their color. Mine, of course, they never get a chance to fade because my, my boys manage to turn them into little bombs that they lob off of the balcony. And they, they enjoy, well, my two-year-old enjoys watching them go, and so now every day when I get home, that's my chore is to clean up the glass bulbs that he's chucked off. And I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking, right? I like, why don't you just buy the plastic ones? We have, uh, and when he's done destroying all the glass ones, you know, he'll turn to the plastic ones. But here's the thing, most shiny things, they lose their glow, right? And so at some point you've got to like, figure out how to like recapture that glow. And even the most desirable gift in your life at some point became like a secondhand leftover, right? Like the the new car got dinged, and the clothes went out of style. This went out of style, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, The the clothes they went out of style, The, the device became outdated, and that fiery passion of romance eventually smoldered into the dim coals of everyday life. Right? Like it's everything starts to lose its luster. And that can happen to us with Christmas. Right? It's, it's not that we lose Christ. It's that he gets buried. Right? Like, meaning you always need more. And so you say yes to everything. You say yes to every party, every activity. You say yes to everything on the list. And so you become like frenetic. In the Christmas stuff, right? Like you just get caught in it. You get trapped in it. You get lost in it. And what's more is the glow of Christmas gets lost in all the craziness. And as a result, some of you, what Christmas has become is stress and debt and arguments and running from this thing to this thing. And and rarely do we ever settle down long enough just to be like, wow, what is Christmas all about? And so what happens, right, is the meaning... And the message and the awe, the glory, the glow of Christmas gets buried. Not lost, just buried. I mean, for us, there was a funny moment just the other day. Um, The boys, of course, they're having fun playing under our Christmas tree and destroying everything. And so while they were destroying, they were wondering where Jesus went. And literally, this is the conversation. Uh Uh-oh, we lost Jesus. (laughs) I thought, this is a real spiritual crisis in my home. They they lost Jesus. And he said, no, you didn't lose him. I hid him. And and that's what we do, right? Like we've hid Jesus under all the activity, under all the craziness, under all the busyness. And when you you hide it, you lose the meaning, you lose the message. and, And so we need to recapture something, don't we? We need to recapture the glow. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the church in the, in the city or the area of Colossae. So I'm going I'm to give you a little bit of background context. Uh, the, the city of Colossae was a has-been city. Think about it like a rust belt city, uh, rust belt city in America, right? Some formerly booming city because it had an industry there. Maybe, you know, they were producing cars or they were producing metal. And so it was this big industry in that city. And then it all moved out, right? And what's left is this depleting, decaying, rotting city. And so that's Colossae. they, they, they they, They had a glowing reputation, formerly, of a great economy, which brought great wealth and great fame. And then everything moved out. And so Colossae is this has-been city with a has-been glow of Jesus in the church. So Paul borrows this idea of the former glowing reputation of the city to say, you have a former glowing experience in the church. But just like we bury Jesus in the message of Christmas during this season under all the activities, that's what the church had done to Jesus not just at Christmas, all the time. They buried him under religion. Reli- what is religion? Religion is all this stuff that we do to try to impress or earn our way to God. That's religion. Under religion, under rules. They-, they had all these crazy rules. You gotta do this, you gotta do this. And under superstition. Superstition is people who are seeking spirituality without God, right? And so they buried Jesus under religion, rules, and superstition. And so the Apostle Paul is writing in order to like help them recapture the glow or the glory of Jesus. And so if you jump into the letter, as you get into it, um, going into the first chapter, He writes this, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it to you, because this is kind of his whole point. This little part I'm going to read to you really captures the whole point of why he's writing this letter. By the way, in case you think that Paul is writing with a festive Christmas mindset, he's actually writing from a Roman prison. But he has this glowing experience with God that he wants the church in Colossae to recapture. He said this, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. I mean, he goes this, you have something extraordinary. You have something special, you have a glow. That there should be something glowing inside of you. What is that? It's this, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, or the hope of a glow. He goes, here's the thing, for throughout all of history, There was this secret, there was this mystery and it's been hidden and nobody knew, nobody knew how to know God and you had it and you have it, but you buried it under religion and rules and you've lost it in in an attempt to get spirituality without God and so it's, it's, it's become faded and filthy but I want you to recapture because this is what is glowing about Christmas. It's this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so now I want to go back to a little earlier part of this chapter because what Paul does is this. He wants to paint this verbal picture of how amazing Jesus is so that everybody who reads it would, would get a little bit of glow inside of them, a little bit of like cleaning off the filth and the and the. Stuff that buries over the excitement of Christmas. He goes, I want you just to get back to what makes Christmas great. And for the church, what makes Jesus great. And so let me just read to you the first part of his opening introduction to this word picture of Jesus. He goes like this For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness that we were all living in. And he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then he goes on and he describes Jesus who did this for us. He goes like this, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And there it is, this is the introduction, this is the beginning of his description of Jesus. So that as people read it and hear it, they're captivated. It's like beginning to like pull away all of the christmas wrapping and all of the clothes and all of the stuff and all the receipts and debt and arguments and like there he is. It's like in my home looking around and then actually finding Jesus. Oh, he was hidden and now we found him, right? That that's what the apostle Paul is trying to do here. And what he really wants us to do is gain the glow or regain the glow. Some of you, you, for the first time, you can gain the glow. Others of you, it's, you need to recapture or regain the glow of God in your life. Another word for glow would be glory. God wants every one of us to gain the glory of God in our lives so that there's something shining and vibrant about our life. And it would be Jesus in us. But we, we don't live like that, do we? No, we live more like um, what most of us experience at Christmas, which is Jesus just gets buried. He's there, he's not gone, he's just buried under everything else. And some of you, you buried him under religion, and so you've done church, you've said prayers, you've done, You've read, you, maybe you've even read the Bible, but you, you, you know the Bible, but you don't know the God of the Bible. You've done church, but you missed the God who makes the church what it is, all right? And so people get lost in this, and maybe you've gotten lost in Christmas. And and so as a result, we go through the motions of life, empty. Empty, and the meaning and the message fade into meaninglessness. And so my, my challenge for you and I is that we recognize that there is something in us that makes it empty and then clouds the glow of God in our life. And and that's what Paul, what Jesus, what other authors refer to as sin. Sin is an inner emptiness that pushes us away from God toward doing what we want. And the moment we turn our back on God, we not only lose the glow, we lose God. We, We reject God and we do what we want, sin, which leads us to a forever ruin. A forever emptiness, a forever far away from God and all that is good. And so we not only go through life empty, but we go into an eternity devoid of God, facing judgment, carrying our shame and our guilt and our regrets into forever without God but God was unwilling to leave us far from him. I, I love this quote by Blaise Pascal. I don't, I don't know if we have it on a slide for you, but um, basically Blaise Pascal, 1600, uh, during the 1600s, he was a, a world-renowned physicist and philosopher, and he, he wrote this. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man, which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus. He said, there's this emptiness inside of every one of us, a, a vacuum, a void, that the only possible way for you to ever be fulfilled is through knowing God as revealed through the person of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the message of Christmas, right? Like if you were to uncover it all, if you were to push away everything else, what you discover is this remarkable gift of God made known through Jesus And that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to do, is bring us back to this moment where we gain the glow. And maybe for you, what better time than Christmas to gain the glow of God in your life, to discover for the very first time, maybe why we're even here, which is to know God and love God and be known by God. Know this, that God loves you so much that he was willing to step away from his home in heaven to become one of us, to rescue us from the dominion of darkness, right? That's what the Apostle Paul was writing about. He said, you and I were trapped in a kingdom of darkness, but God invaded the darkness with his light to rescue us and give us life, to fill the void of our hearts with himself so that we would truly know him and you can know him. I would invite every one of you, whether you're joining us online, or at one of our campuses, love to invite you. If you don't, if you haven't known God up to this point and you're ready to make a commitment through faith in Jesus to say yes to him, can I invite you, would you make that commitment right now? Simply saying yes to Jesus by faith. And if you're ready to make that commitment, would you let us know? Text the name Jesus to 81411. When you send us a text, we're going to send you a quick link with some resources. To help you as you begin this new journey of relationship with God. And, and we wanna encourage you to fill that information out, and one of our pastors would reach out to you to encourage you as you begin this new journey. Look, for every one of you, whether you're just today, the very first time saying yes to Jesus, or you've been, you've said yes to Jesus, but the message, the hope of Jesus have been buried under all the activity and all the busyness. Maybe it's gotten buried under religion or rules or maybe even superstition, can I encourage you to come back to this portrait that Paul painted? I, w- I want to unpack this just for a little bit with you. Here's what Paul wrote. The sun is the image of the invisible God. So that right off the bat. You might not think too much of it, but let me, let me explain what he's saying. And first, let me, let me give you a, a, a challenge from that. So what, what's the point? The sun is the image of the invisible God. The point is that Jesus is the only glow-up needed. That, that's what he's saying. You don't need anything else. It's Jesus plus nothing. If you have Jesus and nothing else, you have all that you need. And if you all right And if you do not have Jesus, but everything else, you have nothing. So it's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus is the only glow-up needed. If you need a turnaround in your life, if you need a transformation, if you need a little bit of glowing in your life, all you need is Jesus, the Son, the the image of the invisible God revealed in the Son of God, Jesus. Well, what does this mean? So let let me break it down for you. When he says image, uh, it's kind of two ideas here. What he's saying is that Jesus is the likeness of God and the full manifestation of God. So if you wanna know what God in heaven is like, all you need to do is know Jesus because Jesus is the full likeness of God. And then the second word that helps you understand is the full manifestation of God. Meaning that God, Jesus, it doesn't just show us what God is like, he fully manifests all of the attributes and nature of God to us. He is the full image of God revealed to us so if you ever want to know who god is or what he's like just read about jesus just get to know jesus and the more you know jesus the more of the invisible god you know but i like that he also says he is the Son is the image of the invisible god what does that mean the point is that jesus made the invisible visible what people only thought they knew about god suddenly they saw in Jesus he turned the invisible into visible but there's some, there's another part to that now right because Jesus ascended back into heaven and what we get is we get the spirit of God in us so the invisible spirit of God makes his home inside of the invisible eternal part of us and so the invisible God lives inside of the invisible spiritual part of who we are which means God knows you He's present in your life. He's alive inside of you, which means in the part of you that no one sees, in the the places inside of you that hurt, that can't be diagnosed, in the places where there's guilt and shame, embarrassment, the invisible God is present. And, And he's not there to bring shame. He's not there to bring guilt. He's not there to embarrass you. His invisible presence is there to know you and love you and to invite you to know and love him. So, right? So we know that Jesus is all that we need, right? He's the only glow up needed. We don't need anything else. Look, you don't, you don't need to go looking into, into religion. You don't need to go looking into superstition. You don't need to go looking anywhere else. If you know Jesus, you have all that is needed, but don't stop there. There's actually a little bit more, at least for this weekend. He says this, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Well, what's the point? It, Jesus is the firstborn over all creation, which the point is this, don't accept or add anything else. Uh, kind, of, kind of a follow-up to it's all that's needed, meaning don't put anything else on to Jesus. In my home, where there's all this stuff that's get, added on and piled on. We have so many. I I love Christmas. I don't know how many of you out there, you're like, you love Christmas. You're like, Christmas is your jam. And so if you're like me, what that means is that like, it's never enough. And so every time you go to Walmart or you go to another store, uh, you, you just keep buying lights and and then, and then you buy decorations and then you have so much stuff, you don't even have time to put it all up. Like, that's me. And I'm a little embarrassed because I have like boxes still unpacked that I need to put out and I don't even have the time to put it all out, right? And then I go to, I go to the store and I'm like, we got to get that because that would be so cool, right? Like that's what we do, right? We keep getting more because it's never enough. And what we know is that we don't want to accept or add anything onto Jesus because he is the firstborn over all creation, and what that word means is this. I, I'm going I'm to give you a couple pieces to it. It means that Jesus is before all of creation. So before there was anything, Jesus, right? He goes before, he, he was before us. He's eternal. He always was and always will be. He was before all of creation. But then not only that, but he's over all creation. Why, why is that important? Well, in, in ancient times, probably what Paul was thinking about as he wrote this was that the firstborn son was given the authority from the father and was response, it was like a representative so imagine a father who gives his oldest son the full authority of his home and he, and he, his son is a representative of him but his son is also charged with the protection and the oversight of the entire family of the, think about like the whole estate Like if you had a business and you had workers and you had family. And so the oldest son was a representative. He was responsible to be over everything, to take care of everyone and protect everyone. And so what he's saying is this, that Jesus is the full representative of God, the Father, commissioned with your protection and your care. Jesus is looking out for you. Jesus came to be the firstborn over all creation to look out for us, to care for us, to protect us. And how did he do that? By giving his life as the payment for what we deserved in death, right? So Jesus gives his life to pay off our eternal death sentence. He rose from the dead to give us victory over sin, over death and over eternal judgment. So when we believe in Jesus by faith, we're forgiven and given new and forever life, And suddenly now, we have to be very careful because this, this was Paul's message to the church in Colossae. You've added so much on. See, they were in a has-been community and the church was dwindling because they got lost in religion and doing all kinds of other stuff without just focusing on Jesus. Not just the simplicity of Jesus, but the hope that is found in simply knowing Jesus and the hope that is lost when we bury Jesus under all kinds of other frenetic activities and useless religion. So now, here's the thing. Here's what I've given you so far, that um, we need to gain a glow up and, and the only globe we're ever going to get is found in Jesus. And then make sure you don't add anything on or accept anything else in place of Jesus. Jesus is all that you need, and he's more than enough. Okay, so listen, but there's, there's another part to this. In, in another letter that the Apostle Paul wrote he, wrote, he was writing it to the church of Corinth, and so in his second letter to that church, in chapter 3, verse 18, he writes this. And all of us... Um, have had that veil removed so that we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we reflect his glory even more. So the Apostle Paul is writing about an ancient story of Moses, who when he would spend time with God in prayer, he would come away and his face would be glowing. He he, he would have a little bit of glory of God on him, shining off of him. He was glowing the presence of God. But the problem was that people, when they got around him, they would see the glow and they would back away. And so what Moses did was he put on a veil. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, look, you and I, we don't need to veil God's glow in our life. In fact, we are meant to not only gain the glow, but reflect the glow of God. And as he's explained this, he, he says this, you are both a mirror of God, so you are meant to reflect the glow. You're a mirror of God. But there's something interesting about a mirror. A mirror never becomes like what it reflects. Thank goodness, because the mirrors in my home would become hideous, right? They were reflecting me all the time, right? Like, and, and my awesome sweater, right? But here's the thing, like, right, so the, the mirror... It's job in my house is only to reflect. It doesn't ever become like the thing it's reflecting. But the apostle Paul in his second letter to Corinthians is saying, you not only reflect the glow of God, but you're changed by the glow of God. God in you begins to transform you. You actually become like what you're reflecting. Now that sounds a little bit more like relationships. You ever seen like a husband and wife, they've been married a long time, and people say, they've started to look alike. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. Maybe they're both. Maybe they're just, you know, getting in their senior years, and there starts to be a kind of shared look. No, no, no. But people, I think what really is going on there is more. We spend time with each other. We begin to reflect each other. We pick up similar words and phrases, similar activities. We have similar gestures. Right? You get around people, you're like they're a lot alike. They begin to reflect each other. The more time you spend with God, the more time you spend in the glow of God, the more the glow of God begins to transform you. But not only does he transform you, you begin to reflect that glow. So so now here's a challenge. Um, Your responsibility as the mirror is to reflect accurately the glow of God. I know far too many of us in this moment In time because of the culture and the world we live in you start to pick and choose which parts of God you're gonna reflect now have you ever gone into a fun house where the mirror doesn't quite accurately reflect you and so it gives you like a really really big head and a tiny skinny body and then really big knees right or like you're really wide or like some of us are our reflection is the fun house of God and it, looks, it makes God look silly because our life doesn't accurately reflect God. And so we're, we're amplifying one part of God, but then we're limiting another part of God, and then we're trying to show off this part of God. And so our responsibility is to simply accurately reflect the glow of God. And so we need God's truth and love. We need all of the attributes of God reflected in our life. We need both the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus reflected in our life. The need for forgiveness and new life reflected in our life. And so, are you reflecting accurately the reflection of God? And then, how are you becoming more like the glow of God in your life? Where, Where are some areas that aren't quite glowing yet? Maybe they're they're still clouding the reflection of God. Maybe they're they're still muddied or they're still filthy and you need to invite the glow of God to come and cleanse you and forgive you and maybe wash off or wipe off some of those areas. So can I encourage you right now as we, you know, we're celebrating, we're, we're excited going into the Christmas season, but maybe for you, you need a little glow up. Maybe you need to, you know, say no to a few things and maybe put, a, you know, put down all of the activities and the frenetic chaos for a moment just to discover or rediscover the glow of God revealed during the Christmas season. Jesus, the, the Son of God, the full image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So I wanna encourage you, would you take some time? Where, where have you lost that glow in your life? Where, where do you need to more accurately reflect the glow of God and how do you need to be changed by that glow of God in your life? Would you maybe take a few moments right now and pray? On your own, you, you can just pray and talk to God. He's present, he's invisible. He hears you when you speak and he's present to hear every Prayer, every need, every cry in your heart. So would you take a moment and talk to God? And by the way, if you're if you're joining us online, you can you can um, ask for prayer right now in the comment section. You can you can certainly ask for prayer. Or you're, you're at any one of our campuses. You can you'll see a prayer team available on the sides of the platform. Our team is ready to pray with you. Would you if you need someone to pray with you, ask someone to pray? But would you take a moment right now on your own, talk to God? I promise you, He is present. He is near you, he's with you. And for those of you that believe in Jesus, he's in you. Would you take some time and talk to him right now? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.